everybody doing today? Good? Well, you've had some sleep, so you'll be doing all right. So I want to throw out a big uh, shout out to our other sites in Bedford, Westside, Iglesia Hispana, and everybody that's online. And we are in uh, this amazing series called Core 52. Today, we're actually going to be getting into uh, the Lord's Prayer. I also want to throw out a shout out to Sean Green. Uh, He's over on the west side. And I really appreciate everything Sean did actually getting us moving into Core 52. And also, he's invested a lot in area ministers. And so every other week, uh, there are several churches that are actually on this day doing the exact same thing through Core 52, and that's because of Sean's leadership. And I appreciate him doing that. And before we get into the Lord's Prayer, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you right now, and we are on holy ground because we surrender to you. Uh, We thank you for the worship that has drawn us to your throne. And so, Lord, from this time forward, every word uttered, Lord, is to bring you glory and to bring you praise. And it's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. So I was thinking about this as I was preparing for this uh, message a few weeks ago, and um, it's difficult when you think about the Lord's Prayer because so many of you have heard a lot of lessons and sermons on the Lord's Prayer. But I was just thinking about sermons in general. So I'm old, I'm uh, coming up, I'm 61 and a half, and I started thinking how many sermons I've heard in my lifetime. So I'm like probably a lot of you. How many of you have grown up your whole life in church? Raise your hand. Good. A lot of you have grown up your whole life in church. So you know exactly what I'm saying. I grew up my entire life. And so if I took one sermon a week over that period of time, my 61 plus years, it's literally over 3,200 sermons that I have heard. And that does not count uh, the church camps and the mission trips. So I've heard a lot more than that. But if I took all of the sermons I've heard and I had to narrow it down to my favorite ultimate sermon, that would be hard. I don't know how many of you could actually think about the best sermon you've ever heard. But I would love to hear your stories, I really would. But here's another question. Imagine, not just uh, hearing the greatest sermon, what if we could all agree on this one point? The greatest sermon ever preached was from Jesus Christ. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And in Matthew chapters five through seven, right at the heartbeat of it in chapter six is the Lord's Prayer. And that's what we're gonna get into today. Matter of fact, uh, we do this on the West. It's kind of fun Uh, during Core 52. If you'll all stand, we're gonna read the scripture this morning, the Lord's Prayer. It's gonna come up here on the screen. And here we go, ready? Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You may be seated. Mark Moore says this, that God created each of us with an instinct to pray, with minimal coaching and practice. Anyone can become proficient at prayer. And Oswald Chambers said, prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. And I like to paraphrase that by saying prayer isn't something you do before the main event. Prayer is the main event. Ephesians 6.18, and this comes from the New Century Version, says this, pray in the spirit at all times and with all kinds of prayers, asking for everything you need 
To do this, you must always be ready and never give up. Always pray for God's people. Pray at all times for all kinds of people with all kinds of prayer. Never give up. So a while back, I was listening on YouTube to a Rick Warren message on prayer, and it was just called How to Pray Throughout the Day. And uh, I, was, uh, I was listening to it. I thought it was pretty good. I was actually getting ready to flip it, like I'm not getting anything yet. And then he said, you know, it's interesting. You can use the Lord's Prayer every day of your life. And I'm like, boom, and I started listening. And so I want to give credit where credit's due. If you get a chance, you should check that out. It is so powerful. But I want to share with you something that he shared that was really interesting about history and prayer. If you go back in Rome, started in Rome, and then it continued through a lot of large communities in Rome, they would develop a forum. Now, a forum was like our marketplace or city square. And in that forum, it was rectangular, and they would connect the buildings together so that it would be literally in the center town. It was like a marketplace. It was where elections were held, celebrations, and the architecture was amazing. And one of the primary buildings was always a bell tower. And that bell tower was critical because that literally was the rhythm of their day. The bells would ring every morning at 6 a.m., then again at noon, 3 p.m., 6 p.m., and then 9 p.m. Now get this, at noon, when the bell would ring in that area, they would have a three-hour break before they had to go back to work. Can I have a hallelujah on that one? Can you imagine? That is like a siesta on steroids. That is amazing to have that much time, and then you had to go back to work. Now, we know that that time system plays into Scripture. Listen to this, Matthew 27, 45. Jesus died on the sixth hour. You can almost hear the bells ringing. In Acts 2, 15, remember it said, on the third hour of the day, which would have been 9 a.m., they accused the Christians of being drunk. So they were also writing in exactly what we're talking about on Roman time. Now, here's where the early church was brilliant. The early church said, you know, let's use those bells to our advantage. Every time... People hear the bells, we're gonna teach them how to pray. And that continued on for hundreds of years. And around 1400 AD, there were a group of monks that got together and talking about the bell tower in their area. And they said, do you realize how much annual uh, effort we have to put into keeping that going? What if we could devise something mechanical to take care of the bell? And so they did. And it was called a clocka which in Latin means what? Clock. Can you imagine that? The clock was invented to help us pray more effectively. Here's what's happened. As usual, we screwed the whole thing up. We took the clock and did what? We pushed prayer out of our lives. The number one excuse everybody uses, I am just too busy to pray. Well, folks, including me, If you're too busy to pray, guess what? You're too busy. Prayer needs to be at the heartbeat of everything that we do. But can you imagine if you took this beautiful prayer and we allowed it to become part of our life every day? The psalmist in 119, Psalm 119, 164 said, seven times a day I praise you because of your righteousness. So that's what we're gonna do today. 
Today, we're gonna see how the Lord's Prayer can literally draw us closer to God throughout the day, every day. Now, this is important. The Lord's Prayer should be viewed not so much as a recipe, but as a model. A recipe is you do this, this, and this, and you'll get this. But a model says, no, here's the framework, but there's flexibility within the framework. It's to allow us to continue to grow. And of all the things the disciples begged Jesus, they finally begged Jesus, teach us how to pray. So we need to pray what Jesus prayed. It wasn't just for the disciples, it's for us. So we're gonna walk through a day together and we're gonna see how the Lord's Prayer, I believe, really can help. And I've gotta confess, I've, I've been trying to do this the last couple of weeks and I kicked myself that I hadn't been doing this for years, is allowing God's prayer to literally be a part of my day, every day. You start your day with gratitude. Look at Matthew 6, 9, the very first part, and it says this, our Father in heaven. Will you say that with me? Our Father in heaven. Start the day with gratitude. Now, here's how you do that. It's a, uh, my favorite actor is Denzel Washington. Uh, if you haven't seen The Equalizer, it's a feel-good movie. So anyway, you need to go check that out. But I love Denzel Washington. And here's what he does. He puts his shoes under his bed as far as it takes to reach the shoes. And every morning, the first thing he does is he reaches for his shoes. And the reason being is when I reach for my shoes, I'm on my knees. And when I'm on my knees, I pray. I pray to start every day. God, thank you for your grace and for your mercy. And that's the best place to start on your knees. And I thought, how seldom I'm actually on my knees in prayer to put God where he rightfully belongs. Think about it. We need to be gracious for what God has done for us. We need to be gracious for every breath we take. Uh, it wasn't that long ago. Uh, my family has been affected by cancer. Um, and I used to share with people, I don't know a family that has not been affected by cancer in one way or another. It's interesting, I think COVID is right behind cancer. There's very few families that haven't been affected by COVID. But what's COVID taught us? You better cherish every day of your life. So we realize how important it is to be gracious to God. Matter of fact, there are actually medical benefits to being gracious. Gratitude matters. It helps us with our blood pressure. It reduces stress. It helps us with our mental health. It improves us when we're fatigued. It even helps us with us when we sleep. Now, here's what I know that's difficult is I'm talking about tuning in to God early in the morning because I realize that there are a lot of people who don't like early mornings. Raise your hand if you do not like early mornings. And you can leave them up if you don't like people who like early mornings. And what's funny is they usually marry each other. Isn't that true? So guess what I am? I'm the one you don't like because I, I was up at four this morning. I just loved it. Uh, you've probably heard uh, the, the joke, did you wake up grumpy? And the guy said, no, I let her sleep. So some of you know what I'm talking about. You, so you're, you're listening right now going, why is he talking about lifting up gratitude in the morning when I hate mornings? To which I would reply, get over it. Start your day with God and literally it starts with God, thank you. It's just lifting up gratitude. And then you're approaching breakfast. Now breakfast is great because most people that I've talked to, 
crazy as it sounds, they have their own breakfast routine, which leads me to the second part here. Look at Matthew 6, the second part of verse 9. Hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. The Bible, there are over 100 names for God. And yet of all those names, and there are beautiful names, Adonai, which means my master, El Shaddai, my supplier, Elohim, the powerful one. Of all those names, Jesus says, God shall be called what? His name is holy, which means he's set apart, which means you need to put God in his rightful place because then it puts us in our rightful place. I don't know what your breakfast ritual is. I uh, have a brother-in-law, his name's Alvin, Marie's brother. And I'm not kidding, for the last at least 50 years, Alvin starts every day with Kellogg's Frosted Flakes with the Tony the Tiger box in front of him, always. And we love it. And you probably have a ritual for breakfast. And my ritual is I get up, I always get a fresh cup of coffee. I have an assortment of flavored uh, creamer that I put in. And I have a bagel with two scoops of Jiffy peanut butter. And you're just as strange as I am. But have you ever thought of breaking through your routine and actually pausing and lifting up a prayer to God? God, thank you for today. Because if you think about God and his holiness, here's what blows me away about God's holiness. It's a picture, a few of them that I found. Uh, These are black and white pictures. Some of you remember Life Magazine. This is John F. Kennedy in the Oval Office with his kids, John Jr. and Caroline. Now to the entire world, John F. Kennedy at that time was what? The President of the United States. His own brother was on his cabinet and he had to address him as Mr. President. Now, how did they address John F. Kennedy? Dad. Here's what I love about God. He's holy, but he's reachable. He's relational. And some of you right now are a million miles from God, not because of God, but because of you. And you need to say, God, you are holy and I just, I need you. It's the best way to start the day. And then you move to mid-morning. And as you move to mid-morning, you're at work, you're at school, and Matthew 6.10, hopefully you hear the bell chime, says, your kingdom come, your will be done. I don't know, as you look over this past week, but how many of you had at least one day at work that was not a good day? Raise your hand if you had a terrible day at work. Oh, good, we have some happy people. Okay, well, if you've ever had one of those, you know about mid-morning, you're like, Why am I here? What am I doing? Uh, This was years ago when I was in Illinois. I was going through a tough stretch at at this church. And it was like super early in the morning. It was January, bitter cold, windy. And I'm looking out and there was a guy collecting the garbage. And I remember I looked out the window. I'm like, you are so lucky. Man, I wish I had your, you ever feel like that? Like I would do anything right now other than what I'm doing right now. And sometimes by mid-morning, You already need to cry out to God, your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, allow me to feel your presence. I need a slice of heaven because right now I feel so far away from heaven. And here's the cool thing. God always shows up. And it allows us then to utter the four most dangerous words you'll ever utter in a prayer. Your will be done. Can you imagine if every day, we surrendered every day to God and said, your will be done. Not my will, not my purpose, not my motives. Your will be done. Uh, There's a great book 
I read recently called Dangerous Prayers by Craig Groeschel. I encourage you to read that. And we all need to utter dangerous prayers. And then lunch, lunch. Matthew 6, 11 says, give us this day our daily bread. And that simply means be specific with your prayers, not just with your wants, but with your needs. Lord, here's what I need. And here's what I'm grateful for. And I don't know about you, but when I hear about lunch, especially lunch in the month of January, I always ask that deeply spiritual question every lunch. You know what it is? I really should eat a salad, shouldn't I? I mean, I have this battle. Maybe some of you had it. Like I got on the scale the other day and it said one person at a time. That wasn't good. And you realize you got to back up. And so we get so focused on our meals, on everything except God. But what a wonderful time at that lunchtime to step back and say, thank you for the little things. Thank you for the things that I really do take for granted. Like tonight, for example, I'm gonna get to sleep in a, in a warm bed in a house with heat and I don't have to worry about being out in the cold. I take that for granted. Folks, we need to realize just how important it is to be specific with our prayers. When we pray for anything we need, the church word is that's a petition. And when we ask for others' needs, that's called intercession. And you probably remember when you were a child and people would always talk about true joy. J-O-Y was Jesus, others, and you. But at the end of the day, that's true. And so when we eat our lunch, just take a moment and just remember to beg God and be grateful for the daily bread. And now you're approaching mid-afternoon. Matthew 6, 12, the very first part. And forgive us of our debts. Acts 3.19 says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Now I'll tell you why this is important. Because in the middle of the afternoon, sometimes it just, you just get kind of wore down. And actually, if you just took a deep breath, even just for a minute or two, and look back over your day and ask this question, God, is there anything I need to come clean right now? Is there something I need to confess because uh, I'm kind of plowing through this day, but maybe I sent an email that I shouldn't have sent. Maybe I, I did something that I shouldn't have done. And so Lord, this is a good time to just say, I'm really sorry for what I've done. And to do that on a regular basis. It doesn't take long. That's the beauty of confession. But I'll tell you why confession is so important. Um, all of us have this one thing in common probably, and that is in our house, we have garbage. So we, uh, at our house, uh, we take the garbage out, we have a big container, and then once a week, I take that container out to the end of the driveway, and that day takes probably two minutes to get it in there, get it to the end of the driveway. It's not that big a deal. What if Marie and I would just decide, you know, that's a two minutes that I want back, and I'm just gonna just start piling the trash for the next several months in the kitchen. We'll just leave it you'd say, well, that's just the dumbest thing I've heard. Why would you possibly do that? It, it just took you two, three minutes. And yet we do that spiritually all the time. We got garbage built up in our life and instead of confessing it, we sit on it and we sit on it and we sit on it. And God says, I just need you to talk to me. I just need you to open up and think of every day in the late afternoon if we just took an opportunity to just do a little reflection and confess. And then it gets fun. I call this the late afternoon or the early evening. 
Look at Matthew 6, verse 12. The second part, it says, as we also forgive our debtors, which means, first of all, there's a time where we say, God, will you forgive me? But now the way you've forgiven me, help me to forgive others. And here's why that's so important. We need to realize that searching and allowing God to search us is critical because sometimes we don't do well with others and we need to do better with others, especially those in our family. They did a a global survey. I read about this. This is interesting. And this survey was to identify what hours, what hour of the day was the most arguments. So they, they looked at everybody and said, what was the one hour that they had the most arguments? You want to guess which hour it was? 90%. The hour before dinner. And at first I thought, oh, I don't think that's true. And then I remembered the, the three kids when they were home. And it is true. Because think about this when you had a family um, before dinner. Um, what are the odds, say the five of us, what are the odds that all five of us had a good day? Not very good. Matter of fact, the odds are pretty overwhelming. Three out of five probably did not have a good day. And so you know how it happens. Uh, one of them's fighting with, one of the kids is fighting with one of the other kids and you gotta break up that fight. And then they kick the dog. The dog goes after the cat. The cat kills the hamster and you're like, forget it, let's go out and eat. And then it gets even better, doesn't it? Where are you gonna eat? And then somebody's gonna go, I hate this place. And it's just so much fun. And we go through that all the time, don't we? We have this times in our life, the anxiety and the stress begins to build up. And here's the voice of the Lord saying, you know, just the, the call out. When you called out to me and I was there for you, you need to be there for others. So imagine a guy Hypothetical, imagine a guy, he's got two kids and a dog. And every day when he comes home, he realizes that he's beginning to bring work home with him. So he starts a new tradition. And what he does is he puts a big bucket on his front porch. And every day when he gets home, he gets out of his car, he looks for a rock, picks it up, walks over, he puts the rock in the bucket. And that rock represents work. And what he's symbolically saying is, I'm leaving that right here. So when I get on the other side of that door, I'm all in, but I'm not bringing work home. I don't know if you've had a problem with that, but I'll tell you, I've had a lot of issues with that, bringing work home and taking it out of my family. Now imagine that same guy, godly man, draws his last breath. Do you know the very first thing he gets to do? He gets to kick that bucket. He gets to say, you know what? No more stress or anxiety from this world. The next world has none of that. But we can take steps. All of us need a bucket in our lives. We all need those rocks to be able to say, I gotta let this go. Because life is just too short. It's just too short. And then the evening hours. In Matthew 6, 13, it says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Temptations seem to kick into overdrive during the evening hours. Think about it. You probably grew up like I did, and you probably had a parent somewhere along the line use this line, nothing good happens after what? Midnight. Depends on the parent. Sometimes it, it goes below midnight, nothing good happens. But think of all the temptations that we have in those evening hours. Things that we should watch, and then things we shouldn't watch. Um, I confess this last couple services, but during the holiday season, like late 
<laughs> December, early January, and I blame Jimmy Kane. Uh, Marie and I started watching Justified. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Real feel-good flick. Somebody gets blown away every show, and we're like, oh man, this is getting so bloody. Uh, when's the next episode start? I mean, we're just, we get binge watched. I know none of you are like that, you know, but do you ever step back and think what you just watched for quite a while? And then what about your laptops? Now, let me talk to the guys for a while. What do you do with your laptops when everybody goes to bed? My guess is temptation is always there. And so we need to realize how important it is to pray, Lord, lead me beyond this temptation because you know me better than I know myself. And then let me land the plane. In some of your translations, it has this part of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. In fact, let's share that together. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Other translations, they don't put that section in, but here's what all scholars seem to agree on. They said it makes perfect sense that in the early church, they would have closed that prayer this way because that prayer starts with praising God, putting him in his rightful place. And then isn't it just like Jesus to say, you need to close out by lifting God up as high as you possibly can. And as you put your head on the pillow, remember of his, be thankful for his power and his glory. So I wanted to just end uh, today's message um, basically with something that is heavy, or not heavy, but just something on my heart that is important. Um, uh, when I was um, 10 years old, um, my mom and, and I went out to see my, my oldest sibling, my brother Vern. He was living in Utah at the time. And um, I spent a week out there. Now, I'm the youngest of seven, so there's a 23-year differential between me and Vern, okay? Uh, my middle name is Lee, but I, I really think it should have been surprised. So anyway, I was the youngest. So I go out there, and Vern was an avid golfer, and his, his yard was immaculate. And I had no idea what golf was. So this is my first memory. So I got in the garage, and I found these clubs, and I started digging holes all over the yard because Vern said that's how you play golf. And he, he wasn't happy about that. So I remember that uh, lesson, don't do that again. The second lesson he taught me is one that's always stuck with me. Um, It was the last day we were there and we, uh, he took me to a florist and he said, his wife's name is Lois. He said, Lois loves roses. So I want you to pick out some roses and someone picked those out. And uh, he said, now uh, she's, she's made all these meals. She's prepared all this stuff. She loves having you, John. Uh, The next thing is take that little card and I want you to write, thank you and sign it. And so I, I said, okay. And um, he said, believe it or not, she's going to love that card more than those roses. I said, really? He said, yeah. So on the way home, we're driving. And he said, John, I want you to know those two words can change your life and other people's lives. You need to always, from your heart, say thank you. Just don't ever be the person who doesn't say thank you. Whether you do it with the card, whatever you do, but trust me. Those two words matter. I have forgotten a lot that my brothers and sisters have taught, but I don't, I don't ever forget. I don't ever forget that. I say that just to, to say this. Uh, Marie and I, I uh, can't believe it. Uh, back in 1985, we came into Bloomington. We hadn't even been married a year. And uh, we started ministering at a church called Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. And I got to tell you something. 
we hit the lotto. What a church, what an amazing church. My friends, I talked to them and they're like, um, this is crazy. The things that, that are going on there and we were just so grateful. We were away 11 years and we came back in 2005. Same friends are like, dude, you're like a unicorn. Nobody has a minister come back a second time. Like that doesn't happen. But Sherwood Oaks allowed us to come back. And I gotta tell you, from the bottom of my heart, Marie and I both, we're just so grateful. And as I was praying over the Lord's Prayer and I was just thinking about things to be grateful for, I thought, I'm gonna start right here. I am so thankful. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence, your grace, your mercy, and your prayer that can guide us through every day by putting you in your rightful place, by allowing us to come clean with you, by allowing us to walk through temptations, knowing you are there with us. And then Lord, at the very end of the day, when we put our head on the pillow, we can lift up the highest praise to your glory and to your majesty. Thank you for loving us so much. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.